We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Can I just make a Seagram's bet with you now? Sure. We're drafting a punter. How about it, dude? Seagram's. Seagram's bet? We will, punter. Not, we will not draft a punter. We're drafting a punter. I will all take right. that Seagram's bet all day long. This falls under the purview of one of my nightmare scenarios. Nightmare scenario for Drew Gear: the team drafts a fucking punter. What if they draft a punter in round six and then that punter turns out to be Johnny Hecker? A big thanks to the Buffalo Bills for this opportunity with the 180th pick. In the 2022 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Matt Ariza, punter, San Diego State. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And what you just heard was me making a deal with the fucking devil that would before be the NFL Draft. Chris Kruger himself on the selection of a punter. In the Bills 2022 draft class. Called it, called the round. <sighs> Folks, we are here once again for our 2022 NFL Draft Recap. Death Taxes and Nate Geary in studio with us, throwing back drinks, talking shit about another NFL draft. Some things, are, shit. Some things are just inevitable, right? I mean, A little moose head action. Well, this is, this is the nostalgia I'm looking for, yes. Here's, here's what I want to know. Now that you're back off the keto train, right, you've decided you're no longer doing that. Um... What? Oh my god, that's good. Yeah, right. Doesn't beer taste good? Oh yeah. Nate, look around you. This is the first. You're the first guest we've is that had. Right. We'd had. I think t- that makes sense. It makes sense. It was only right to sit first in studio in our new studio. What? Your just your initial thoughts. Um. My first initial thought is. Is there an invisible, is there somebody in an invisible invisibility cloak standing behind Chris's girlfriend with a gunder head, forcing <laughs> Chris 
to to be here because this is just I, I pulled into the driveway. Usually, you know, at, at the old place, at Chris's old place, I just walk inside because I know I know I'm, it's familiar territory for me. I've done many a, many a podcast in there, and I pulled up and I, I I saw Chris's car. I knew where I was, but there just was in my mind no way that we were actually in a place that Chris is calling home. <laughs> but here we are. It's too nice, this, right? Unbelievable studio down here that rivals, uh, it might be better than our station studio at WGR. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, what else? Uh, very, uh, it does feel like I am like kind of peering into the future of what my, what I'm going to be looking at when I'm like six feet under, you know, like just <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of like looking up at the top of my, my black casket. With a, black with a lot of, with a lot of wiring hanging around. That'll be my what, casket. What, what I love is, can, can you in, in appreciate the effort that Chris put into this place? Because I, I'm, I'll be the first one to say it. Chris deserves most of the credit for this place. He did most of- And my of, landlord. He, his landlord. He did <laughs> most of this. She, he calls her that to her face yeah, I, on a regular basis. Listen, I would too if I were him. So I'd call her ma'am maybe. <laughs> most of this was Chris's invention. He did most of this. He put in most of the sweat equity. It really is impressive to see what one dude with awful hair can accomplish when he has a lot of time on his hands, right? Listen, he uh, has surprised me every time I've ever seen him that he's a still alive and b not uglier than he was the last time I saw him. So honestly, anytime I see him, he's thriving because he's, you know, he's still kicking. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the crew over at Blue Wire Podcast for making all this possible. I mean, video, photos, we're going to post things about the new uh, studio over at Rockpile Report on Twitter. But their, our partnership with them has been pretty integral to the growth and the continued success of our podcast. And I think as we close out another successful season of content creation and go into the summer, I just want to say thanks because, Chris, did you ever think we'd find anyone to pay us to do this? No, no shot. No, I figured we'd get listens because you, you're kind of psychotic, but... Not, not I mean, this. Drew's, no. Drew's persona is perfect for the modern day man. <laughs> you know, like, Drew really encapsulates the guy that's super pissed off at work, right? And instead of doing what Doug Marone did, which is come home, eat a bologna sandwich, and kick the dog, they come home and they listen to Drew, and they listen to how pissed off he is about everything all the time. They're we like, you know what? I, I am not as pissed off as this guy, so I'm, I'm living a good life. We had a listener reach out to us and tell us that we helped with his sobriety. Because he was oh, like, I feel okay. like listening. He's like living vicariously. He through. doesn't watch the I love the that. video feed. Got us just pounding a bunch of alcohol <laughs> over there. But I but I'll say this. I appreciate our listeners, sure. and I appreciate Blue Wire for pulling us because they were a startup, and we figured out of all the places that reached out to us and said, "Hey, join us." Why not? Listen, Chris, we're we were nothing. We were a project. We sorted it out. Yeah, we were a total project i i well i had to coach you up just from my couple i've spent three years in yeah, radio how's that gone not good i still don't talk into the goddamn microphone you don't talk into the microphone you don't listen to any nope any any advice i started giving up giving you advice of hey try this after maybe the second year you and my like, father my mother yeah. uh most of my high school teachers all the list of people who mm. stopped giving me advice because they realized i wasn't listening with that in Selective mind hearing. <laughs> with that in mind Thanks to all of you guys, because without all of you, we wouldn't be sitting here in the middle of this, enjoying a couple beverages with Nate Geary. And it's funny because today we actually received, just today, Chris's first piece of like mail. 
here. Given, is it from Mark? It's from the Rock Pop Report attorney, Mark Smith. <laughs> it is. It's, and it is. Is it really? It consisted of a bag of Trader Joe's ghost chips. <laughs> it's not really Mark's. And it? a case of gum. Uh, a case of, did you see the stack of those packs? Yeah, I did see that. I just didn't know. I just assumed you the, guys got some sponsored. The, we always, we, we the always Trader Joe swag. chips came from my landlord. This is called Blackjack Gum. Um, Blackjack chewing gum, very 1970s As a labeling. soda shop feel to it, yeah. I want you to take a piece of this. Now, Chris, we usually do alcohol reviews. We're going to do a gum review. Oh, I'm drinking beer. Is this minty? It is the first package ever delivered here. Oh. No, yeah. no, 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 Let's no. talk about no. this. No. Hey guys, guys, like the like Seinfeld nope. to quote to quote that psychopath Lloyd Braun. Nope. This is what the holidays are all about. No nope. three buddies sitting around chewing gum. Nope. No, I I didn't give this address out to anybody yet. Uh, so I got a package. Wow, that, this is fucking awful. Yeah, the package. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Holy. Did you not smell it? No, I just oh my put God, it in my mouth. It smells like what, my, you you smell things. It smells you like my great grandmother's like. Like the inside of her purse, because that's what it tastes like. A this tastes bit. like it tastes like if you had black licorice and you left it at the bottom of a sixty-five-year-old's purse for a while. Yeah, this had the uh, postmark to Chris Greeter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, great! This yeah. gum is impressively bad. It smell. I can smell it from you guys having it in your mouths. Yeah, I just ate a whole pack. That's a drop. <laughs> <laughs> he just stuck five pieces in his mouth. Let's, you know oh, what? Seven. You know what? God. So, can we all declare Blackjack Gum a loser? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was a loser before. Who has that many of those? Who well, did that? Who, did. Really? Who did that? Our lawyer, Mark Smith. It really was Mark. Yeah. So, I just, I should have known it was Mark. Oh, God. I Mark's got... going to appreciate this because I think this is probably a record for how many times his name has been mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a little bit of this whiskey to get the taste in my mouth. Jesus! Yeah, that's why I didn't want to ruin this perfectly good first moose head of the year God. with that terrible tasting gum. It's like ass water. He's he's literally got the taste of a 75. I mean, I thought the Miller High Life stuff, the Little Caesars love, all this was a like this is a new low for Mark. I think the fact that he even knows that stands, the fact that he even knows what this gum is enough to purchase it and send it to us. Anybody that's, that stands Little Caesars doesn't, they, there's no redeeming that. The, he hides it from his wife like an alcoholic hides liquor Listen, in the, we all like, hide in the food toilet from tank. our significant others. Let's yeah, just, let's he has to keep that. Little Caesars in the garage fridge because if his wife finds it, she throws it away because she doesn't think that that filth belongs in the house. You know what? You can respect that, right? Wait, wait, no. This, this is what I'm going to do because this is why I love coming on this podcast. Bruce Nolan. Foods you hide from your significant <laughs> other. That is a podcast topic for Food for Thought if I've ever heard it in my Hell life. Hell yes. This, See, has been a per- this has been productive for this alone. Chris, look at that. The Rock Bell Report. Influencing people already. Hilarious. Let's talk about the NFL draft. I, Chris, we're the Pettiest Bills podcast. I want to talk winners and losers in the AFC. Who's a winner in your mind, when you think about who won the NFL draft, what's a name that comes to mind? Can I turn this into a two-part series of winners? Sure. Okay, first is the winner that's actually a winner, which I think is the New York Jets. Um, I think they walk away with four cornerstone-type players, um, two on each side of the ball, so they were able to disperse it in, frankly, all pretty premier positions, shorter running back, mm-hmm. um, but edge... 
I, you know, I, I think Sauce Gardner is going to be a heck of a player. Corner, which is now turning into a premier position. Um, edge, corner. You got wide receiver, which on the other side of corner is turning into a premier position. Just look at some of the contracts being handed out. And then, um, you know, they get Brees Hall, who I think a lot of people wanted to see the Bills or wanted the Bills to find their way to just based on his potential fit in the offense. You now match him up with Michael Carter, and they've got the best one-two punch in the AFC East um, at running back. So, um the question is going to come down to their offensive line, but I like what the New York Jets did a lot. Um, the the and, and what I'll do is winners of this draft part one was the New York Jets. Winners part two is winners that everyone says are winners, but I don't think are winners, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Because, listen, I get it. They drafted every every media draft dude's favorite player, and that's awesome. But that doesn't mean shit. And they have nobody to catch footballs from Lamar Jackson in the most important year in that franchise's history in in terms of keeping an MVP caliber quarterback. They've done nothing to surround him with anything that should convince him that's a team taking him seriously as a franchise quarterback who can throw the football. If I were Lamar Jackson and you just traded my best friend because instead of you wanting to change your system to be a more modern-day passing offense and stop using me as some sort of Debo Samuel quarterback wannabe... They picked Greg Roman over Lamar Jackson they in They picked draft. Greg Roman over Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown, their other first-round pick from after Lamar Jackson that you paired with to try to help him take the step. It so listen, I love Kyle Hamilton. You'll never see me mocking a Notre Dame pick. It was a fantastic pick. Um, I like some of the the, the the tight ends they took. And everyone agrees that according to consensus big boards, all their picks were of great value. And that is great. But who and cares about value if you're if you're running out your franchise quarterback? And this is the thing. So Chris, this uh, is Bill Belichick cares about value. <laughs> We're gonna he talk. certainly does. Holy shit, I can't he wait to talk about that. Does. That's value. So my Maybe win- Valium. I had but. I had three <laughs> winners. And you and this is why I love Chris that I don't have to prep him like some of our other guests. I don't have to send him a rundown. I don't have to send him bullet points. Because he just comes in here and he knows he's just a, it's an easy conversation. I had three Chiefs, Ravens, and Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh it's funny because we're used to applauding two of those teams for what right. they do on draft day. And the other one is usually the punchline of a joke. That's right. Uh, for the Jets, we sat here with Anthony Prohaska and basically said the Jets had the biggest opportunity in front of them to improve their team of any team in the draft. Like mm-hmm. you have, you've got the most work to do, but you also have the like the opportunities there if you can seize it. Sure. You come out of this with arguably a court, cornerback one, depending on who you are, who you talk sure. to, who you like. Arguably wide receiver one in the class. Uh Trading back into the first round for Jermaine Johnson, a guy who was being debated as a top five pass rusher. And took a pretty interesting fall yeah. in that draft. And then you tack on Brees Hall, who was a lot of people's RB1. You ended up with the best, like, wh- whether or not they pan out as pros, you walked out of a draft with the best player and a top five player at at least four positions. Mm-hmm. That's a home run. I mean, Joe Douglas... Yeah, he deserves a round of applause, and like anybody who like we don't need to wring our hands about the Jets, right? They're, they're they still have to coach these guys up. Yeah, for sure. And listen, I mean, this is all. I they didn't make the moves they made. They didn't draft the people they drafted because they're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. That is not number one goal. For no, number one just, goal. Let's get on the map. Mm. Let's put together a team. It's simpler. that can contend for third. It's simpler. 
what do we have in this quarterback? Well, yeah. I think it's just that. I don't think it's listen. Is Robert Sala and Joe Douglas going to lose their jobs if they win two win if they have two wins this year and they finish last in the division? No. I mean, probably not. But it won't it won't feel good bringing them back, and they'll be on the hot seat next year. But I think the main. So you're saying they'll come out of this year knowing whether or not Zach Wilson is the guy. They should. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, they, they it, should. Through that lens, then this does. I mean, because they've got. Think quite, about Josh Allen year two. Yeah. All of us felt pretty good about that. That guy threw 20 touchdowns. Yeah. And, and I said this the other day. I said this a couple weeks ago. I tweeted about the Jets. And I said, what kind of step does, does Zach Wilson need to take in order for that team to be an eight-win team, to be 500 or what it used to be, eight and nine, right? Nine and eight. And I said, how about like 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions? And a bunch of people are like, well, that's not going to get it done. That won't do anything. That's not good enough. I'm like... Well, that's funny because those are the exact same passing numbers Josh Allen had his second year. And I, that's not to say it's the same argument as that Dolphins fans like to make, which is <laughs> well, shitty Josh Allen and good Tua. Uh, and, you know, now Tua is going to be Josh Allen. You, I'm not making that argument. What I'm saying, though, is we're talking about in terms of linear paths to becoming a franchise quarterback. Those don't exist. Not every path is linear. So I look at I, I look at Zach Wilson, for instance, and this year you should get a good look based on second year in the offense. He's one of the very few young quarterbacks that has had the benefit of having the same offensive coordinator going into year two. A lot of quarterbacks don't have that luxury. Josh Allen did. So there are a lot of parallels to be drawn from Josh Allen's second season to what's going to be Zach Wilson's second season. I don't believe that Zach Wilson will even be in the same stratosphere no. as, as Josh Allen, but I do believe what could be unearthed there is a really solid top 14, top 12 quarterback um, who's mobile, who and can, who well, can if maybe he's that, not... If he's that, with what they're building towards and the job that Joe Douglas has been doing... They can at least be competent, which is why I declare them a winner. Like they're this, very young. This puts you on they're the track. Very young. This puts you on a track to being good in three years. Yeah. If you maybe if, even if, less if, than that. If you can make the right moves now, because you had a really, you built a platform to build off of. You've done the heavy lifting. You got rid of Jamal Adams. You used that haul to get this class. Now you can take that and move forward into what they've got an extra pick next year, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So you, yes. so you can continue to build, but Jamal is, Adams, the gift that keeps on giving. This is the platform that you can use. The Chiefs, they pissed me the fuck off. I'm a petty son of a bitch. Okay, watching them entering the 2022 season with a really watered down roster was one of my favorite things of the yeah, offseason. Sure. And then they go into this draft with this. I don't know. I think more holes than any team labeled the quote unquote contender. Sure. And because you look at it, they hemorrhaged massive percentage of snaps in safety, linebacker, cornerback. Mm-hmm. They lose Tyreek Hill, and who knows how you replace what he brought to the football field, the dynamic, the way he influenced safety play, the way he... They're dependent on a lot of rookies, man. That will, and this is it. But then they come in here, and they add so many quality defensive pieces. Sure. McDuffie... Yeah, uh, like him a lot. Cook, like Carl Aftis a lot. Carl Aftis, it Sky Moore, one of the few mm-hmm. wide receiver options that I liked for Buffalo to fill our vacancy at Z receiver. I am I overreacting, yes. or did the Chiefs get saved by this draft? No, class? no. Okay, um, but that's not to say that I believe the Chiefs needed saving or something. They still have Patrick Mahomes, but that's a roster that is experiencing. Um, what I think a lot of folks assume every team that's paying a quarterback two hundred and fifty plus million dollars is going to be dealing yeah. with, right? Yeah. Um, 
You pay the piper, and what happens is, is that you, do. you start to hemorrhage. Well, what it is is you constantly then have to be refreshing with cheap, inexperienced depth. That's right. And the problem with that... The bills have been it, developing depth yes. for four years. And we have that depth now to deploy at a time when you've got like... Because when you look at the makeup of our class, which we'll get to in a minute... You start to see like, okay, we didn't have to hit home runs. We needed singles right. and doubles. Whereas when you're the Chiefs, you're banking on some home runs, so, at least one, because this is all you can afford to do. What we're in the process of seeing is a fundamental shift between the Bills and the Chiefs. And what I mean by that, the fundamental shift that I'm talking about is for the last three years, the Chiefs have been a top-heavy team. They've had five contracts at 20 plus million dollars. Um, and they have sacrificed the development of depth in order to have high caliber players, right? And they still do mm -hmm. for the most part, right? But in the next three years, Patrick Mahomes is basically going to be the only guy making more than $20 million. Um, Tooney is there, I think, but he's, you know, he, he didn't sign a seven year deal or something. So here's the thing in three years, the Bills will have digs. Allen, probably Knox making close to 20 if he resigns. Oh, yeah, no. Ed Oliver we're, making we're gonna close to 20 if he resigns. We're going to be so, where they are right now. There's a juxtaposition that's going to take place. It's, it's a shift, and, but the thing that the Bills did first, which is why I think they can avoid the, the, the scrap heap trading away a really good player in his prime because you can't afford to pay him or you don't believe you can afford to pay him. Like, the Bills developed their depth first, then they added the blue chips and they developed guys from that core into blue chips, which is first and foremost really hard to do. Yeah, well, and that's, I guess, to my develop blue chip and, players. And that's what I wanted an acknowledgement of here is that no matter how well the, the Chiefs did on draft day, right, we can all agree that the value of the picks, the quality of the picks they had were great. Can you develop them into being the backbone of your team? The percentages. I don't are, think the Chiefs have a track record of showing that. No, and the percentages are not on your side when it comes no, to. Not with that whole, many. I have a whole draft class full of players. You know, in this week's AFC's roundup, we're going to talk to uh, Mike Debate about the Patriots' history over the last five years, and That's how they have failed to cultivate most of their draft class. Their entire 2019 draft class is Damon Harris. That's it. And he was their fourth round. Yeah. The, the the top three are done. Done. Out of the league. And so it's one of those situations where on paper, yes, you applaud them. Great. Wonderful. But I don't think that this makes you better now out of the game. No, definitely not. And hopefully they all pan out. You're, you're, you're a competitive team in the AFC. But if they don't, which the odds say not all of them will, whether it's injury, whether it's ineffectiveness, whether it's just an inability to coach some players into being what you think their ceiling is. The Chiefs probably, like, this isn't their saving grace. I just want to, because I felt like that on draft night, and I've come full circle on this to say you won the draft, but again, where does that get you? And the Ravens, to your point, they land Ojabo, one of my favorite, he was one of my value-based draft mm -hmm. crushes. I said, Chris, one of my nightmare scenarios was going to be if he was on the clock, and the Buffalo that he, defense is fucking stacked. If he was on the clock at twenty five and the Bills didn't take him, if all the cornerbacks were off the board and the Bills did not take Ojabo, I was going to call it just a disaster for the Bills because he could be a, such a great player and of such a value to you. And the Ravens get to steal him in the yeah. second round that way. So great. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Best safety prospect, a starting center, 
they killed this draft. Charlie Kohler, tight end. Yeah, I like him on Iowa State a lot. They, but they're I, a team loading up on defensive players. But and you know I, what teams do that? <laughs> teams that are prepared not to pay their franchise quarterback. Yes, and that's why when I look at my losers, the losers of the 2022 NFL Draft, wait, the Ravens wait, are wait, number wait, wait. one before with a you, fucking bullet. Before you go, let me finish the Chiefs thought. Yeah. So Chiefs thought is their track record of developing their own and turning them into blue chip players. Nicole Hardman, no. Uh, Traverius Ward, gone. Um, Travis Kelsey, okay. Rashad Breland. Chris Jones, good. Um, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first round pick, running back. Yeah. Will, probably won't play very much this year. No. Um, like, I, you go through the list of players, and they're not a team that has historically been able to leverage a great draft class into actually helping you, especially right away. So for those, listen, you, everybody talks about winning the draft and winning the off season and miss me with that because that the bills had been winning off seasons for a while. I mean, they had had several off seasons that they won. They didn't have a lot of drafts that they won. Chris, hasn't Miami won? Oh my Jesus. Didn't they spend the 2010s? Didn't didn't they spend the 2010s winning every off season? Yeah. We we need that Rex Ryan quote. You know, we've won the, we've won the off season. We've won the off season. Yeah. Well, what the hell does that mean? But at the end of the day with the chiefs thing, we can wrap this up on the chiefs, but um, they are still, the dude on top of the hill with, you know, he gave you the most atomic wedgie and he ripped your underwear and he's on top of the hill holding your underwear up while you're crying. This is not a traumatic experience that happened to me. I'm just, it's just an incredibly specific <laughs> scenario. Um, I was going to say, you sound like you're projecting a little bit. They there, still Nate. need to beat tell the me Chiefs. more about this. Who hurt you? Not just in the regular season. They need to beat the Chiefs when it matters in the playoffs. It's the team that has ended your season the last two years. So there is a level of beat them or shut the hell up about it. Well, but that's it. Here's the thing. Their wide receiver situation, Nicole Hardman, uh, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, uh, MVS, right? That's a bunch of twos and threes. Borderline yeah. twos. Borderline twos. The and four, four of their top six have never caught a pass from Patrick Mahomes. Sky Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster are slot receivers. Yes. Very, and by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster is about as limited of a slot receiver as you're going to get. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm of the mind that they believe the system and the quarterback can overcome the talent of Tyreek Hill. And I think that they're insane. (laughs) I think he is the most unique weapon that has ever touched an NFL football field. And they are a little cocky to me. Chris, it, Chris, it reminds Sign me... Sign the damn man. What are you doing? Chris, it reminds me of when the uh, New England Patriots thought that, uh, hey, the system will prevail. We don't... Yeah. We can go Screw back... Screw that We can mindset. go back to the, 2000, uh, the 2000s when Tom Brady won us a Super Bowl behind play defense and run the rock. It's cocky. Yeah. It's cocky. And to me... I'm sorry... I, Tyreek Hill, to me, is an untouchable player. You had the opportunity to get him at a cheaper deal than the other guys were getting, <laughs> and you traded him. So, I, I don't know. At it's, the end of the day, where I come down on this, on this, I, the grass is always greener, and you think you're smarter than you always are. I'm interested to see, for the first time in his career, and someone's going to say, well, in four games, Patrick Mahomes has seven touchdowns and the, yeah. 1,300 yards without Tyreek Hill. Do it over a season, loser. Like, don't give me that shit. Like, I want to see it over a full season, and I want to see Yak God on another team, and let's see if he can have the same level of prolific success when teams don't have to dedicate a guy that can't 
get above 20 yards. <laughs> like now teams are going to be able to press at the line of scrimmage. Teams are going to, MBS is a nice player. If Aaron Rodgers couldn't figure out how to get whatever they got out of him, sorry, it, you're not getting that much more on MBS. <laughs> I love it's how not like he's, you are about It's this. not like Hell he's yeah. going from Drew Locke. He's going from Aaron fucking <laughs> Rodgers. Just won two MVPs. Give me a break. Like they are, and they overpaid him. So for me, I, I, I guess I just, I, I will say this. They are all good to fine players. But that's a quarterback that has never had to know life without Tyreek Hill. And if I were that fan base, I would never want to know. I would never want to have a conversation of what Patrick Mahomes' career looks like without Tyreek Hill unless he can't run anymore. But (laughs) here we are with four good years, maybe five of Tyreek Hill at the level that he's playing at in a window where you could be the most dominant team of an era. Get rid of Orlando Brown. Who? What do you need? Get rid of Joe Tooney. Like, go get a replacement level guard and pay one of the most prolific pass catchers in the history of the league. I think it's a, a huge miscalculation by the Kansas City Chiefs, and I hope they reap what they sow. Cocky mfers. Chris, it's not a. What is it about the Rockpile Report that just brings out some of the best meltdowns in people? I think we just saw one. I think we just saw. I love. I love it, but. Nate, there's a group of people that are glad Tyreek Hill has gone from the Chiefs, and that is the entire female population of the city of Kansas City. Well, sure. (laughs) Well, sure. I mean... Oh, here comes Chris with a punch below the belt. So, if we also want... I mean, he's a loser. They're losers because they live in Kansas City. Losers. The Ravens are number one. Let's, Let's talk about this. Because they won the draft, but I think it's like when you win the battle but lose the war. I was just going to say that, yeah. You kill the draft in terms of value, quality, great, wonderful. You you got some great rookie prospects. But when you think about the cost and the butterfly effect from the decisions they made that weekend, I don't know that a team misplayed their hand more than the Ravens. Their defense hurt them last year. We all sure. know that. I what a- AFC East teams, AFC teams with good quote unquote quarterbacks, six different thirty point performances against them, and they they had a two and four record in those games. You can't hemorrhage yards and points. You can't. But they aren't much without an offense. I think that tells you, like, hey, you won two games where you would to score more than thirty points. Like your you're in trouble and you need to, you need weapons. You need things. They decided to trade away the only wide receiver that had more than 500 yards last year. First thousand yard season too. Uh, what he's the, Oh yeah. Only one with a thousand yard season. And he's the only one with three touchdowns. Uh, they've got a tight end depth chart. That's I like it slightly better than what Buffalo's is. I mean, I like the, Boyle. I, I think like Andrews the, is one of the best tight ends in the league. Oh, Nick sure. Boyle is one of the best inline blocking tight ends. And I think that Kohler kid from Iowa States. And then they also got uh, the kid from, they get Isaiah likely too. Yes. I really like what they've done, but here's the Great. thing. What you are you going to run 14 personnel? What are you going to do? This is what are you going to roll out? Personnel? And then in the process really of assembling this mess, you rub your currently unextended former MVP quarterback the wrong way in the process. Yeah. I, take what you think about Lamar Jackson as a passer out of the equation for a second. Between the state of the offensive line, the wide receiver group over the last three years, and their obsession with Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator, can you honestly say the Ravens have done a great job of putting talent around Lamar to succeed? I don't think they have. No. Now, imagine this. You're a quarterback who's betting on themselves. 
You know, you're betting on yourself by playing out the string instead of trying to get that long-term peace of mind and a generational payday. Because let's let's face it, the team has offered him something in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, he just sure. doesn't like the fact that it's not two hundred millions like what Allen, no, what Mahomes. I'm sure he's getting market rate for a franchise quarterback with uh, an MVP. I he think, just wants more. I don't know that. I he is negotiating his own contract, and and, and that's weird. That, and that gets weird. And within that, there is a lot of ambiguity. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what the. What the, also you're is not hard- getting leaks from the from a from an agent like but, you would if you had an agent. But you know what else is hard about that? Josh Allen was the one who went out and practiced. Do you remember in the weeks leading up to training camp started? And everyone kept asking Josh, "What's going on with your contract?" And he goes, "I don't know. That's what agents are for. I'm just out here to play right. football." That's legitimately what agents are there for. Yeah. They take the pressure off you, so you can go out and focus on your job. If you're the dude who's on the phone with the GM doing the talking every day, every day, every week, you and this GM are going to have a conversation. It's going to be a it's going to be a back and forth. Sometimes it can get acrimonious. I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. What I'm willing to say to you is that when you think about this, I, I don't know. Flacco was the last one to try to do this. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, I'll go into my fifth year. I'll roll the dice. He won a Super Bowl. It worked out for him. It and did it work f- out for it, him. It worked out for him and it fucked over the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked out for him because think about the weapons he had. Uh, he had uh, Jacoby Jones as a returner who caught that ridiculous. Chris. Steve Smith. Chris, remember the first time you met me? Uh, yeah, that was at the uh, Tony Rome's on Union. Nate, wow. You, Tony yeah, yeah, I've been to Tony. Tony Rose. Rome's. It was the uh, Broncos and Ravens Tony playoffs. Rose, former pizza buffet. I have no idea. No, it's now Mooney's. It's now Mooney's. But, right as you get off the four hundred. No, 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 no. I, I don't know if they had Tony a, Rome's. Wasn't it a pizza buffet? No, they had like a sit-down restaurant. They were like, oh, we do ribs and we do all kinds of shit. But then they had a big bar that was more of the draw. The restaurant never had anybody. Yeah, Mooney's. it was. It was the, I know, yeah, it's the it old Mooney's. I it was, remember it, yeah. It was the playoff year of Harbaugh versus Harbaugh. Okay. Denver and Baltimore playoff game, that deep bomb from Flacco to win the game. Yeah. Well, not to win the game, to send the game to overtime with 10 seconds left. A Hail Mary attempt from his own 20. In, in Denver. In Denver, and yeah. just yeah. a prairie hucks up, and Jacoby Jones takes that thing in and takes it into the end zone, and all of a sudden we're talking about overtime. Yeah, uh, Nate, I've never seen a man... I've never met a man just forcefully box like I'm talking like NBA boxing out somebody at the rim into other people's conversations about football and just berating them with their opinions on football like I saw Drew do at Tony Rose. This was the very first time he ever met me, folks, and that was the moment that it dawned on Chris. He could do this in the form of a podcast. Just box out his way. Just box out. Force my way into your lives. And look at look at where we are today. But so you think about the weapons he had. Anquan Bolden, Jacoby Jones, Torrey Smith. Uh, Anquan Bolden was a great wide receiver, correct? You call him a great. Not a Hall of Famer, yeah, but not a great. Hall of Famer, no. Torrey Smith was fast. He was big. Jacoby Jones was good. Mm-hmm. They had, I, I don't know who their tight end was, but they've always had good tight ends. Their defense was all world. Look at what they're doing now with Lamar Jackson. They're trading away his best players. They're divesting themselves of the only Listen, guys I, he has familiarity you with. Can spin, it almost feels like they're sabotaging. <laughs> you can spin the Marquise Brown trade. 
and say they weren't going to pay him to be a number one receiver. He's not a number one receiver. I would agree he's not a number one receiver, but he was their number one receiver. Well, and that's it. And so for me, I just I look at this and I say to myself, I, I you won the draft, but you lost because your quarterback is going to go into next season with fewer weapons. David Duvernay and Rashad Bateman as his two wide receivers. Jesus Christ. And just a couple quick hits here. Jaguars. Holy fuck. You did it. Chris, we called it. They were the ones who were going to shoot themselves in the dick this year. Yeah, they did. It's not a shock. Uh, they took Trevon Walker. Uh, at least the least sack production of any player drafted in the top three ever. Ever. Um, it's, well, not ever. Just since the sack was recorded in college football. Well, and ahead of the draft, we heard rumblings coming out of the building that they were all split. The coach, the GM, and the owner on who they wanted. The owner's the one who wanted Walker. Now we know who's running that organization, and the problem is that that's the same dickhead who hired Urban Meyer. Yeah. Now he's making your draft picks? Great. I'm sure this is going to work out. The Titans. You want to talk about people who are having, like, seller's remorse? Ryan Tannehill had to go to fucking therapy. He said he had to go to therapy. Listen, I think all of us should probably go to therapy. Yeah, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> I'm just gonna keep drinking and yeah, ignore right. all of the... Uh, just of blow past all the red flags. Man stuff. Like, Derrick Henry, after this draft, was looking around like that Fresh Prince meme. He's Will Smith in the empty living room, looking around, going, where is everybody? That's it. Everyone's gone, brother. You're it. You are the Tennessee Titans now. Yeah. Do you see them as a threat? No. Uh, wh- they weren't before. <laughs> but look at them now. They weren't before. And A.J. Brown replaced with Walmart LaVisca Chenault? <laughs> Holy shit. What a mess. Walmart. Fucking you. you Traylon Burks is the third thing anyone has ever said. (laughs) It's going to be a thing that sticks. Walmart Chenault. Walmart Chenault. That actually sounds like someone's name. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Oh, Traylon Burks. He's going to suck there, especially, you know, because he's got a real gunslinger at quarterback who's going to take a lot of chances on 50 50 balls. Taking therapy after throwing interceptions. Jesus Christ. Their, Their general manager was crying at the senior bowl. I'm done with it. I'm done with the Dude, Titans. We're done That's with it. them, right? All Can right, we you know flush what? them? Let me go. Let me go with one more rant about the Titans here. So the Tennessee Titans, or as you know, some some might like to refer to them as the Great Pretenders. The Great Pretenders. They almost well, they did. They did lose to the Jets last year. You lost to the Jets. And then you lost to the Bengals, and uh, y- you're not that good, and it's only going to get worse. Chris, I get, do they come here this year? 24 years old. No, we go we go to Tennessee. I don't know why we Tennessee again every single year. It's stupid. We go to Tennessee and KC again? Yes. To gener- and the only team that Jeremy and I I hope we go back there just to punch their shit in, because I'll tell you what. I, As a kid playing football games, one of my fa- little kid, one of my favorite things was... And this maybe speaks to something that's wrong with me. Sure. But as like a child, I remember. Young child. Going to away football games and just being happy about the fact, like, I'm going to get to go. We never won. Our team was never good. But it was an opportunity to make the guy across from me look bad in front of his family. I was like, your friends are going to be here. Your mom's going to see this. And I'm going to slap you around a little bit. Like that was in the back of my head. Like I'm gonna Drew would be playing three the- D chess with nine year old kids. <laughs> I'm like, gonna be. I'm gonna try to make you look bad in front of people who know you. This, this kid's is just. Be this awesome. kid's just trying to make it through a game, and Drew's like, I'm gonna embarrass you in front of your fucking grandma. <laughs> oh, other losers. Uh, Matthew McConaughey and everyone from Texas University. You can all suck it. Uh, Texas. What they? I mean, they went five and seven. Did they, they have anybody drafted? No, no one for just the second time since 1937. Not a single player got drafted. 
Remember, Chris, remember when they joined the SEC and all the talk was about, oh, oh we're doing this because it's going to be more money and better recruiting and we're going to get better and we're going to... Bu- bu-. Yeah, when Texas Tech's out recruiting you, that's tough, though. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, and then Oklahoma's head coach left for USC. How big of an L is this for Texas University? It is. But I don't know how many people call them Texas University. Texas University, the University of Texas, doesn't fucking matter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The biggest loser, though. You? The biggest loser. Oh, sure. It's definitely you. It's here in my hand. Where? What is it, Chris? The peach bellini? Yeah. You sick fuck. Chris, why don't you tell the people? In fact, I, I, well, said we- a lot of, I said a lot of things last week, folks. Some controversial, some pretty vanilla, a lot of trashing of the movie Silver Linings Playbook. Good movie. But the most emphatic <laughs> point that I wanted to make in our podcast last week is that only an idiot, only an egregious moron would waste a draft pick on a punter. Nate's going to do me the solid of opening this for me. Especially a draft pick that wasn't a throwaway, end of the seventh round compensatory kind of pick. Sixth round. Two punters came off the board in the fourth fucking round. I want to talk about that for a second. That's absurd. Mm. That that I don't know who said it, but I just have like a recording on my phone. That is absurd. I feel like it was uh, Jackie Childs from fucking Seinfeld. What's more absurd is the fact that my own football team gave me the old Judas treatment. The old Brutus treatment. They stabbed me in the back. Oh yeah, stuff. I was gonna say it's not Judas. They doubled down you on that trend and left bills. me on the wrong end of this peach fucking nonsense. I want the two of you to discuss these two questions while I chug this disgusting fucking beverage. Well, I've got a question for First, Nate. I got a question. Yeah, no. I got a question for Nate. Sure. So why don't you Let's chug? You in hell. Why don't you? Chug, why don't you chug that? Bottoms up. Because yeah, Drew, Drew said he he's, uh, that someone was getting Judas, which means they would have to be Jesus, which is well. You said before. You said before we started recording when we mentioned the pick. Drink it pu- faster. Yeah. Jesus, the punter. What is that? Sure. What's up? So why wouldn't we spend a pick on a punt? That is weird. Why wouldn't we spend a pick on a punter knowing that what Hawks in his last year and has no guarantees? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just get punt Christ in here? Father, son, holy punt God, you know? Um, Touchdown Jesus, punt listen, Christ. I think... Uh, oh, my God. I am... Wow. And it, this this is this is a message to punt God, uh, Matt Ariza. Uh, August 4th. Actually, it's going to have to be earlier than that. Let's go July 15th, Stinglemeyer Park, Nate Geary Holding Camp. 
Whoa, it's happening. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold a holding camp for all the youth in Western New York to learn the fundamentals of holding the football properly. And Matteries is invited. I'll show him how to hold. If there's anybody in this town, I've been called the holder of the town. I'm an elite holder. There's so many things. My freshman year in college. There are so many jokes that I want to make right now. My freshman year of college, the only reason I traveled with the team was because I I was the holder. And same with sophomore year, pretty much, because, you know, I didn't play that much. I didn't take football very seriously when I got to college. I'm immature enough to almost leave the room. You know, we can make a phone call. (laughs) When I found out. We can make a phone call on your behalf to get... Somebody that we know that is involved with. Do you guys have? Sending do you guys a, know Long Snapper? We, we, might, we might know, know. a Long Snapper. I could, I could right now. If you tell Reed that I wanted to take a video of me holding one of his f- full speed snaps without a practice run on video, I bet you I could take a Reed snap and hold it perfectly without practicing, and I haven't done it in probably close to a decade. Chris, clip that audio, send it to Reed. Tell him we need. I to think make I know, like, and I, and I want. I don't want him taking easy. I want him Whoa. throwing it back there like he's Matt Hawk. Okay, so first of all, when you folks, when when you heard him, when you heard uh, Nate say that's weird, I was vortexing that bottle of uh, Peach Bellini. <laughs> not well, by the way. <laughs> no, not well, but it did the trick. It got it down fast. You'd spin that thing. You got another just, one coming, dude. Oh, I know. But listen, punt God, stop! Don't be mad about punters. It's six round. I do like Christian Bedford, the other guy that got in the six round too. The, the was it one of the, the few the, holes that the Bills had? Like, did Everybody was filled? talking about punter for months. Yes, <sighs> it's terrible. I said last week, why wouldn't you spend a six-round pick on a punter if he turns out to be Johnny Hecker? Yeah. Hecker was undrafted. All right. Well, I'll defer to the two of you because what the fuck do I know about the Chris? What do I know about the draft? It's why we do this with people who are smarter than us. Because what have I established over seven years of this podcast? Nothing. Nothing about the draft. Now, as it comes to the actual Bills draft class, mm-hmm. I want to start this off with just a statement. Just like, I don't know. I look at draft grades. You can't really go by these. It's you know, hard to. There's a lot you, of. Here's the problem with draft grades. If you didn't like player X before team Z took them, then the odds are whoever selects that team will seem lesser in your eyes. Right. If you didn't, th- if you thought Cole Strange's was a third round pick instead of a first round talent, then you obviously hated everything about what the Patriots did in that moment. But but everybody hates what the that, Patriots did. Well, in that yeah, everyone. Is, I, mean, I mean, that's consensus. But is like, look at it. we just shit all over the Tennessee Titans. We just shit all over the Ravens. Well, that's because that's our opinion, and that's because of what we thought. We gave them credit. But also, we were looking at the players that are divesting themselves. Yeah. We don't know if they were part of the problem in Baltimore. We don't know if A.J. Brown, maybe he was more of a dysfunctional player than we know. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. 24 years old. Some outlets like CBS Sports look at the Bills and say that their draft graded as a C. Okay. Well, well, NFL Network gives us an A-. minus. The New York Post says we're a B. And ultimately, I throw my hands up because, I don't know, it's all subjective, right? It all comes down to what... There's a lot of nuance here. Beauty in the eyes of the beholder. So grading doesn't... It, Does not matter at all. So you can't... What did Marv say? You can't judge a draft class until their third season? That's fair, Chris. It takes a couple years. Because some guys who sucked as rookies came out like, for in instance, year two, year three. 2019's draft. The New England Patriots. Joke. 
any yeah. other general manager would have been fired for that draft class. Well, what did Callan Coward say? I don't know if it's Coward. He should have been fired as a Cal- general Coward manager. Coward was one. Yeah, he goes head I coach. I don't know if coach. it was Coward or if I heard it on uh, TSN Overdrive in, up in Toronto, but somebody had said, you know, if you have enough people telling you that you're a genius, then you just believe it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's anything. got a lot of yes men there right now, which is why he's taking Cole Strange at 29. And meanwhile, Colin Coward goes before the draft in free agency. He goes, Bill Belichick, the coach, trust him, trust him, love him, Hall of Famer. Uh, Bill Belichick, the GM, should have been fired years ago. Years ago. So running the franchise into the ground. So with that, grades don't matter much to me. I like to get into the philosophical stuff. And this is funny because every podcast is it's it's Wednesday. Every podcast out there that covers this shit for the Buffalo Bills has already done their blow-by-blow on the the class. Every prospect debated the merits. I don't know. To summarize the the, the great Robert Duvall, why run down and get one cow when you can walk down and get them all? I like to take my time with this stuff. We're going to take a look at it, but I want to talk to you a little bit about philosophy first because I think this is important. I was conflicted about a lot of what the Bills did. I was very frustrated throughout the day one and day two of the NFL draft. Uh, Cornerback pick in the first round is where I'll start. Everyone saw it coming, including some of our opponents. Cornerback was a need. Obviously, the pick makes your uh, podcast co-host, Bruce Nolan, and Anthony Prasco over a cover one. It makes them very happy Mm -hmm. because they've been on team cornerback two for forever. Going into the selection, I can't say that I knew a lot about Kyrie Elam. Or that I knew whether you know, I don't know. I got a, I got some inklings the week leading up that he was in their crosshairs. So I did a little bit of last minute okay packing on him, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I listened to that person. Okay, so but yeah, I mean throughout the draft process, that wasn't a guy I was like honed in on or anything. I think the problem has become that in modern football, things have kind of flipped. Defense wins games, but offense wins championships now. That's the way this this stuff works. The Bills have invested an incredible amount of upper echelon draft capital into the Bills' defense, and yet they're using just dart throws in the middle rounds to put talent around Josh Allen. Uh, this coming from uh, Uber Hansen on Twitter. The Chiefs have six first and second round players on their roster on offense. The Bills, after taking Cook this year and counting Josh Allen, have two. Which receiver... In Kansas City, would you take over Gabriel Davis or Stephon Diggs? And I understand what you're saying. Right. And that's the cultivation on, thing. It, wait, whoa, whoa. But that's the cultivation thing we talked about earlier. You bring guys in True. and you cultivate them. But I'm just you saying right now. You bring Stephon Diggs, who's viewed as a problem child, and he becomes one of the most electric receivers in the NFL. He was that before that, but, but But he got better since he's gotten here because you can coach yeah. and cultivate. That's what we're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But but now, but I'm not I'm not gonna give the Bills credit for Stephon Diggs being Stephon Diggs. So Stephon Diggs was no, no. Stephon Diggs. But so philosophically, here. knowing mm-hmm. that a massive trade up the draft board is not in Bean's nature, it's just not something he's gonna do philosophically. Were you still surprised at all to see the Bills again defer to the defense on day one? No, I mean they filled in a huge hole. Um, I also want to say that. I think they were a bit of a victim to a kind of a crazy, I mean, an unprecedented first round, incredibly entertaining, but just some of the worst case scenarios for the Bills, and especially if you were a guy like me, team wide receiver. Um, oh, all the wide receivers went. They At, uh, the the Chris Olave trade up by the New Orleans Saints really started the run on wide receivers, and then that was that. And you know, for me. 
it became very quickly, okay, you get to 20, let's see, is McDuffie going to fall? Who's who's going to grab McDuffie? The Chiefs traded up. Traded up because the Bills, they knew they, they had knew to the get Bills in front of us. Take, yeah. And there was no way New England was going to give us that bet. No, no shot. <laughs> no shot. So they end up taking, you know, Trent McDuffie there at 20, or at 21. And I think it put the Bills in a position of, we've got one more guy we feel like we can take at this position in the first round. We have no guys at the wide receiver position we could take in the first round. It's either we get up to 23 and take our guy and ensure we get our guy, or we're trading back. And, and I think that was probably the right mindset to have in this draft. I'm glad they didn't trade back. I'm glad they traded back when they did because the real value in this draft came between three, four, five, and six in this draft. There was a lot of good sixth round, fifth round picks in this draft that are going to be players in the league. Maybe not this year, but there's going to be guys. I think Christian Bedford. Bold statement, Ken. I think Christian Bedford, the guy that they got from Villanova, that defensive back. That guy's going to be a contributor to this football team. He's going to make the team. I, he's wow. that. I really like that pick. Joe Marino likes that pick a lot. Um, that's that's one. Well, that, who's he competing with though? He's competing with Cam. What? Cam Sims. Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis. Lewis. Uh, but they they like Nick McLeod. There's guys that on in in that cornerback group that they do like. There's another kid too that's um, uh, a rapper's son. What what which rapper is it? Warren G. Is it Warren G? I think it's Warren G. From son. last year. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's still on. He's still on the practice squad. Warren G. Son. I forget his name. Um, regardless, I really like the pick of Elam for maybe one reason. One reason alone: flexibility to play more press man. This is a team that I think wants to get after the quarterback. And what did, what did we just talk about? The Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs just got rid of the one guy you cannot play press man against. And they got a bunch of guys that you'd love to play press man against. And the Bills just got the guy that allows you, if you can play press man, to rush four and have a Hall of Fame edge rusher in the prime of his career who's capable of getting after the quarterback. And now you have a, a one technique uh, position that's no longer the weak link of your defensive line, but now the strength of it in both depth and, I think, just upfront talent at the top of it that should free up Ed Oliver to stop getting so many damn double teams. And now you have one of the, I think, most one of the better penetrating off-ball defensive tackle pass rushers in the league in Ed Oliver, and now you have Von Miller on the outside of him, and if that is on one side of the line of scrimmage, and you can play good press man at the line of scrimmage with Trey White and, and, and Elam, and have two guys in the back end that can roam the deep half and play two-man under, you're going to be really hard-pressed to find a team that's going to be able to beat that defense who was already the number one defense in the league last year. Now filled, I think, even if you brought back Levi Wallace, this was still a move I wanted to make because the flexibility, the scheme flexibility that they're now able to play, they should be able to be more multiple, be more disguising in what they're doing on the back end. And I think that plays into a true advantage for this defense. And maybe more than anything, this year... You are going to see, more than likely, as long as he stays healthy, the best season of Tremaine Edmonds' career. He's going to have nobody getting up to the second level because of the defensive line that this team has been able to put together. Uh, So now you you have a bunch of things. This is a good defense last year. I think their stats were inflated because of the poor talent they played. This year, this schedule, we will have a much firmer and more realistic understanding of who this defense is going into January and February than we did this year, where I think the defense had the feel slightly of Paper Tigers. I think Paper Tiger is a little extreme and a little disrespectful to them because they were damn good. 
but I think they they feasted on bad offenses. They feasted on bad quarterbacks. This year, I think they'll be better, and they'll have better quarterbacks to face. We will have a much better, and they may not be the number one defense, but I think they could end up as the seventh best defense in the league and be better than they were last year. Well, I can't, it's hard to argue with that then, right? It's hard to argue with all that. Chris, how many holes can you poke in that? Uh, I don't know. When are you going to take that second Seagrams? That's kind of what we were. I was wondering too. I was that that it's, rant was leading into you just getting those Seagrams in you. Yeah. Open that fridge. Let me let me pose this. To, the, the, here's the nice thing though. The, these are very cold. This fridge just works very well, Chris. Chris. Yeah, it is. Nate, let me pose this to you. Sure. Because hang on. Open oh, your email. I just sent you two spreadsheets. Put them up on the big screen. You know, right. now that we're in the new studio. All right. I'll I'll put it. I'll put that up. So last week I made the bet. First round or first round pick. Is a cornerback. Seagram. Wow, you really own Drew. See, yeah, Seagram's bet first pick gonna be a cornerback. Yeah, would you have been able to make that bet with Bruce Nolan? I would have. I would have made the bet that they were going to take a corner. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Bruce would have taken that? No. No. But you know Bruce. He's he's He's, a cornerback apologist. We had him on to break down the class. That's we had because we thought that that was going to be the pick, like based on free agency. Going in the draft, our first round pick is going to be a cornerback. We got to talk to Bruce about this. He's been on that. You know, he's he's been stand. on that train for three years. Whoa. How was it? You got diabetes yet? I'm close. Maybe diarrhea. So, somebody Ooh. call. Somebody call Wilford Brimley. Get him in here. It's in the Dia family. I'm struggling. <laughs> Give me Wilford Brimley. God, got to chase that with a moosehead. All right, so let's move on to the day two that I hated. Now, on Friday, Chris, we, we had plans to do a live stream show with the Rock Sports Network crew, and that got scuttled last minute by the casino, which isn't their fault, just a scheduling issue. And that idea died in the vine, but it, it worked out, right? It worked out because uh, my brothers happened to be in town for my grandmother's birthday, and we got to have a gear family reunion of sorts. Just me and my brother sitting around the table talking shit for the first time since my wedding in 2018. It's the first time all four of us have been in the same. Wow. It was a good time. And as tends to happen at gear family get togethers, you know, alcohol's had, you start with you know, takes are thrown around, uh, the beer turn, you know, beer and Hey, a glass of wine turns into whiskey, which turns into scotch, which turns into me uh, struggling for 20 minutes to put together a very basic mojito. And then taking three sips, falling asleep, and spilling it all in directly into my lap. Like that's how that's how day two of the draft ended for Sounds me. Sounds about right. Now, no matter how much booze I consumed, that's not a night I'm going to forget anytime soon. But I'm willing to blame the alcohol a little bit for the way that I felt watching day two because I was fighting mad. Mm-hmm. Like I was frustrated. There's an opportunity cost to trading down in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So, in a, Michael Silver wrote an article for Bally Sports. Now that he works for, I believe he used to work for NFL Network. Michael Correct. Silver, you're he's a, got me blocked on Twitter, so I don't know. <laughs> of course, he he's does. A pussy. So he was quoted because he spent the whole weekend with Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. And he detailed a lot of the Bills' draft. I'm surprised they gave such a hack that insider scoop, but draft goings on. A lot of you got a lot of quotes and quips and stories from Brandon Bean. Bean was saying, quoted as saying that he loves Friday night of the draft, that it's his favorite mm, night. day two. Yeah. 
Uh, the Bills were a team that we said last week there were so few jobs legitimately up for grabs that a trade up would probably, like, that's a thing the Bills are probably going to do because they probably look at the draft pool and go, we don't, none of these rookies are going to make it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. We also talked about how offensive additions were probably going to be where they were going to focus because he himself said the team needed to get, quote unquote, more explosive. He said that at his end of season presser. We need a team that's more consistently explosive next year. So watching them spend yet another first-round pick on a defensive player, I was expecting an effort for them to trade up. I know. That's why, you just, that's why you just drank a, a Seagram's. I know that's what you were expecting. And I don't know. Instead, they did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. You watch the Jets trade up for Brees Hall. Yeah. And then Seattle takes Kenny Walker, and you go, okay, mm-hmm. running backs – that's there's no more bell cow backs left in this class. That's off. They weren't looking for a bell cow back. Uh, wide receiver, all the starting quote unquote wide receivers that you could roll out there on day one and be confident in, they're gone. Yeah. So, I don't know. You you watch Alec Pierce, probably the last wide receiver talent. Yeah. Sky Moore come off the board. Indian Casey trade up to get them. You deplete the wide receiver pool, so now your skill players are gone, and instead they just trade back. Mm-hmm. Not once, but twice. First of all, why do you think they were so lax? I think because of the cost, and they had already spent a fourth to move up in the first round, so they did not have that collateral to make the move without sacrificing a 2023 draft pick, which I know going into this draft class was not something that Brandon Bean was interested in doing, was sacrificing or leveraging picks in next year's draft in order to move up um, in this draft in the second round. And as we talked about how the depth of this draft, this was not the draft that you looked at and said, this has got 7, 8, 15 blue chip talents. This is a draft that you want to be a team in the 16 to 25 range in the first round and you want to be a team that's going to be in the high 60s you want to be a team that's going to have a bunch of picks on day three early because that's where the value of this draft is going to go and what the bills decided what brandon b decided to do is when sky moore gets off the board their player that they wanted to try to take there at that position is gone so they believed they needed to get to a spot where they're going to get value for their next pick so Brandon Bean says he trades back once. He trades back once. All three guys they viewed that they wanted to, to draft in that position hadn't gone. So they traded back again. Brandon Bean said he would have traded back again if one of the players that he identified as the three didn't just get drafted the pick before. He was going to trade back again. But he decided that <laughs> one of the three guys got picked. Now's the time. I'm taking my running back. And in my opinion, the James Cook pick might be my favorite from the draft because what they end up doing is they actually end up upgrading a decision they were going to make with J.D. McKissick, and they end up getting a younger, more explosive player who has RB1 ceiling and potential. If he can get a little weight on him, if he can start to learn the nuances of the position at the NFL level, if he can be a responsible pass blocker in max protect situations, and Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey and, and, and Sean McDermott can trust him in those situations... This is a guy, listen, Drew, you do not spend. This is the highest value pick that Brandon Bean has invested into this position since his time here. This is the most value he's ever put forth the running back position. 
This guy's not just going to be a third down back for the next four years, and then he's gone. No. This guy's likely going to start off this year as the second running back behind Devin Singletary. He's going to be the primary team's pass catcher. And what I think ultimately happens when Devin Singletary walks in for agency next year, you bring in the guy behind well, James Cook, and James Cook is now your feature back going into the 2023 season. That Michael Silver piece I mentioned, mm-hmm. he made a, a he asked Brandon Bean about lack of investment in the running back position. Lack of investment. Now, you just talked up this James, the James Cook pick. Bean was quoted as saying, I believe that Zach Moss will push Devin Singletary this year. He And it's, he said, coming, coming off his ankle surgery into this past year, Zach Moss couldn't cut to his left. Just listen, he wasn't healed enough. It didn't take. It wasn't, he wasn't ready. He thinks he hasn't nailed down. Now he thinks he's 100%. I believe that he will push Devin Singletary for a starting job. So does that mean that if if that were to occur, if Bean's intuition on this situation is correct, Zach Moss becomes a more explosive running back than Devin Singletary, given that he's a little bit of more of a physical makeup than a physical playing style, right? What does that mean? Like if he's willing to give Zach Moss that opportunity and he believes that strongly in him, I know what you're saying about James Cook, but doesn't that kind of fly in the face? Like, hey, he could be our running back too, uh, passing down situations. I don't know. It sounds like they're putting an awful lot into Zach Moss. Well, he's a draft pack of Brandon Beans. Of course, he's, he's going to say, yeah, you know what, Zach Moss is trash like all you guys. I hear all you guys <laughs> talking about him. He's trash. He's fat. He's slow. He's out of shape. Yeah, he's got no chance to make this roster next year. They also have Duke Johnson, who did some uh, things for the Dolphins last year. did some things. He did some things. I... I think that they have done everything they possibly can do to get to to have someone else take the job away from Singletary, and they have did, yet to do it. Did you think trading back with an AFC opponent like Cincinnati? This was one of my points of frustration. They were one of the shittiest pass defenses in the NFL last year. They were uh, passing yards; they were twenty sixth overall. You let them trade up for another safety. After just drafting a safety the previous round, you let them trade up and get another one because they're trying to fix their pass defense. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's wise to make... Were inter- the Bills going to take them? Do you think it's smart to make another team that you're going to play and that you're going to have to cross paths with eventually get the guy that they want? Look, look at New England would have boxed us out of a trade up. There's talk in the Michael Silver piece about how they were trying to trade up to Green Bay's pick, right? They were trying Mm -hmm. to trade up to Green Bay's pick, but it didn't matter because Trent McDuffie went. right. He was gone anyway. It was New England's pick. So New England was never going to give us their pick. No. That was never going to happen. Why would you, as the Buffalo Bills, give a better player, a player that they covet because they think he can make their team better, to a conference opponent that you're going to have to run through at some point? Trying to think of a <clears throat> PG thirteen way of describing. You don't this. have to. This isn't a PG thirteen podcast. This is like an sh- NC seventeen podcast. Uh, like a horseshit you guys do over. I shouldn't call it horseshit, but you know what I mean. I've heard you and Bruce talk about this. How Bruce is the PG, you're the PG thirteen. I'm the bad boy. Yeah. Well, well, welcome to the welcome Listen, to the late night show. Had Joe Burrow put his nutsack on the face of Sean McDermott like Josh Allen did to Bill Belichick, yeah, I wouldn't trade with them either. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I, 
Here's the thing, right? I, this is not to say that I don't fear or don't believe the Cincinnati Bengals are a good football team. They are. Why would the Bills be worried about what Cincinnati's going to do? I don't care what Cincinnati does. Am I going to take the player? No. If I'm not taking the player, have him. Okay. Everybody everybody in this draft's got to go somewhere. And if it means I can, listen. If you can get the, more of you, what you want, then you're you okay at, with it, right? If you look at the analytics and you look at value and understanding value, the thing that Bill Belichick does is he trades back a lot. Now, he has yet to really find the talent to match the value or proposed value of trading back of what that can bring your team. But if you go pro football focus, football outsiders, you look at any of these high-level analytics, you know, sports and football analytics uh, writing companies, like all of them will tell you trading up is bad for business. It's not smart football. It's giving up more lottery tickets for a more premier lottery ticket that is still a lottery ticket. Okay. So that to me is why, like, yeah, you trade it up and you use that fourth. You ensuring that you get the last first-round grade that you have on your board, which is what Brandon Bean said, and I'll take him at face value, is more important to me than trading up in the second round to get the seventh best or the tenth best receiver in this draft when you can say, I've got the third or fourth best corner on my board and the last guy, this is my last chance to get a guy with a first round grade. I'd rather use that fourth to move up in the first to ensure that than use that fourth to move up in the second round to go get wide receiver nine or whatever it is in this draft. And And Chris, I think that he makes a really valid point for pretty much all of the draft conversation. Right? Doesn't he? Yeah. So with that, I'll just note real quick, linebacker Terrell Bernard, Bernard, mm-hmm. Bernard, it doesn't, I, I don't know. There was no blue chip talent here. By that was the like third, the only question mark pick that we had. But uh, by the third round, you're throwing darts and hoping that a Dawson, like a Dawson Knox-esque kind of a value in terms of devel- developmental talent falls to you. I guess I just, I don't know. I looked at this and I said, you have Channing Tindall who's going to come in here and play a very physical inside linebacker role for some team out there. (laughs) You had Leo Chennault, who could be the prototype at Sam linebacker, Mm -hmm. rush linebacker. You chose not to do that and instead drafted an undersized weak side linebacker that is going to be a special teamer in 2022. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday a watered-down version of what Matt Milano currently is. Matt Milano was picked two rounds after. I know. Matt Milano and he share the exact same height and weight. He ran faster than Matt Milano. All right. So they're what so they're, I'm just they're, saying. they're looking at the analytics of this. Now, Whiskey Drew Gear was incensed on Friday night. I I, I it was crazy. Whiskey soaked Drew Gear wanted to set this entire I wanted to set this whole room on fire. Today I would not I'm willing to do right as Chris settled in. We didn't watch. We didn't watch the draft Friday. I was watching Generette. <laughs> so I, I I just looked at it as you took a backup instead of a starting caliber talent on your football team. I saw that as a miss. I don't know. I just when you look at that second round and the way it played played out, talking even to, I feel better even talking to you about it mm-hmm. here and now. But you can reconcile in your head what they did with those two picks. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you get past this pick, the Bernard pick? Um, just the just the raw athleticism. I don't know enough about him. 
No um, one does. That's, I think, the frustrating part. But <laughs> I think you go back, you look at what he did uh, in his, his last year at Baylor. You go look at that Sugar Bowl game, 17 tackles. Um, this is a guy that I think in <clears throat> three linebacker sets will play. I heard Brandon Bean uh, in his press conference after the third or after the yeah after the third round on Friday night say something along the lines of like this is a guy that's going to help us on fourth and short like this is a guy that we can bring in the field he can cover tight ends right away and be a sub package linebacker listen I, I think what's important to understand and I know that there were other good linebackers that are considered smaller or, or or small and fast guys that aren't maybe traditional size for the NFL linebacker position the the NFL and and people are going to continue to hear this term like are positionless players. That's going to continue to be in vogue. That's going to continue to be the thing that teams look for. Are the guys that would have gone undrafted five, seven, eight years ago are now being drafted in the second and third round. They're being drafted in day two because of the value positionless players can play. And in Sean McDermott's defense, there is not a lot of that cross-position flexibility. You look across the roster, short of some of the guys in the defensive line, there's not a ton of guys that you could just move around all over the place, right? Like the safeties can swap out safety positions. Each of them can play on each side one guy can play strong one guy can play free and the next play they can switch but Trey White isn't going into the slot uh Kyrie Elam isn't going to the slot Taron Johnson isn't going into the outside Sierra Neal is going to play the big nickel role but he's really more of a big nickel if you have a linebacker that you want to cover I'm sorry a tight end that you want to cover in the pass game what you don't have is a big nickel for teams that want to run the football but are also quick. And I, I think more so I think about the team like the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. And I think about teams like mm, Cleveland. And I think about some of these. What they're doing is stockpiling positionless players so that in a game against a team that like the Indianapolis Colts, where you feel mm, pound for pound, we don't love the matchup. They're going to like it way more this year with their defensive line, mind you. Yeah. But that game in particular, we don't love this matchup. Run first teams. We don't have, we have more of a finesse pass stopping defense. That doesn't bode well for us. Well, we want to be able to take Taron Johnson off the field and put a third linebacker out there without the other quarterback saying, uh, yeah. Omaha, we're going, you know, uh, 53 is the mic. We're going after this guy right here. We're going after A.J. Klein. And A.J. Klein, for all that he was, I thought when they put him in situations to get after the passer, when he was asked to cover the running back out of the backfield and when he stayed in the max protect, I'm going in, I'm going after the running, I'm going after the quarterback for a sack. That was his best football. Oh, for sure. When he was asked to drop into coverage, he was a disaster. The 2020 Seahawks game was his finest work. Correct. So think about A.J. Klein, but not the liability in the pass game. And I think that's what you're looking at here. You're looking at a guy that you can create more matchups against teams that are going to look at you and say, we're the Browns. Um, you know, we're the San Francisco 49ers. We're these run first. We're built to run. We're going to run two tight end sets. We don't want Taron Johnson on the field in those positions, but we also don't want a giant linebacker who's a liability against teams for with good sure. tight ends. So I think for it. me, that's where this comes from. This 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 Bernard pick is so, coming from the opportunity to play the big nickel in two separate ways with Sierra Neal to be more nimble and be a guy that can cover tight ends and frankly can cover some wide receivers or be a little beef if you're playing that run-heavy team and allow him to not be a liability in coverage but be a better guy against the run. So if we're talking about these prospects, now that you've helped me get over my uh, just animosity towards the early portion of this draft, and obviously the back half, they did a great job bringing in some really solid players. Mm-hmm. 
if we're talking about our favorite things of the draft, the Elam pick is low-hanging fruit. I mean, it fills a hole. The videos have gone viral. He's a bean guy. He's a process guy. Coming from a major Power 5 university. The punter is like a high-hanging fruit thing. It like, is kind of a high-hanging like, fruit. It's way like up a, there on the tree. Like a five-second hang time <laughs> fruit. I mean, and it would be easy to take that first rounder and say, this is the reason I love the draft. James Cook, great pick. Great pick. The things he can do in the passing game are electric. Like, you go watch all the film breakdowns of him, they'll show you the reasons that he's not, right now, the way he's presently constructed, reliable to be. Like, you you can see why he wasn't a day one pick when you watch the breakdowns of his skill set, right? He, he doesn't run between the tackles with enough juice. He doesn't have much after contact. You know who he reminds me of? Devin Singletary. If you did, did you see my tweet? No. Oh, please don't tell me. So he was. So there was a guy on the radio. I don't even know Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports. Yeah, okay. radio with Sal Capaccio. Uh-huh. He made that same comparison, and I saw it on Twitter, and I tweeted. James Cook and Dev, Devin Singletary. Yes. He said that the two uh. of them are the same, and my response was, "Oh boy!" I'm sure it was very calculated, well, well thought out. Yeah, I said one of them runs a four four, has a great RAS score, and is a dynamic receiving threat at the running back position, catching four touchdowns in 2021 and posting over a thousand all-purpose yards on 140 touches. The other runs a four eight, has 24 receiving first downs and three receiving touchdowns over three full NFL seasons. And then I posted the uh, Neil Tyson DeGrasse gif going, they're exactly the same. They're not. And it's the fucking worst thing I've ever heard. So can I tell you why he reminds me of Devin Singletary? Why? Because Devin Singletary wasn't asked to catch the football in college. But he can do it pretty decently in the NFL, right? Like, he had single-digit catches his entire career in college, Mm -hmm. was not asked to be out of the backfield. James Cook really wasn't asked to be a premier back. Zaheer White, their other running back, was also drafted in this draft. That's Georgia. What he talked a lot about is what he was asked to do in the Georgia offense. They don't run running backs into the ground. So to me, James Cook is a guy, just like Trayvon Walker is a guy, just like every single Georgia player that you want to draft, you have a level of projection with Georgia players. The reason is... Very few college football teams have nine defensive players that are drafted or whatever they had. Like, so when you talk about Trayvon Walker, what he was asked to do on a defensive line with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis next to him, it's not going to be the same of what he's expected to do or asked to do in the NFL with a different surrounding cast and a different setting and a different scheme. So I think the important part about James Cook and what reminds me of Devin Singletary is the new playing style or or how they're going to do at the next level or whatever that to me it is because Devin Singletary was pigeonholed as a as a certain type of back but since being in the NFL has proven even though at 4-8 he can still be a pretty decent in a like short area quickness and be a guy that can make the first guy miss. Now he's not running away from anybody, but he can make the first guy miss. And he's decent in the pass game when he showed no relevance whatsoever of being anything in the pass game in college. I think you can apply the same principle to James Cook. It's about what he has been or hasn't been asked to do. That's all fair. Okay. I'll give you that. And, uh, E.J. Snyder was the one who called it, Chris, during their uh, the bootleg football podcast live stream. 
He said he goes, I, he was talking with, uh, who is it? Uh, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network, mm-hmm. who just got hurt at ESPN. Yep. And they were talking about the running back hierarchy in this class. And basically what he said was he didn't see James Cook as one of the top running backs in this class, but that he deserved his own classification of offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. Because he's he can be moved around the formation, he can be used. He can run routes, ways. yeah. Like he can line he's up. He's easily one of the best draft picks that we took this year. But there's also Khalil Shakir, mm-hmm. right? And there's another guy who you know, Bean apparently received a number of text messages from scouts and GMs after trading up for Shakir, pissed that he had moved up for him as one of the lone wide receivers with a third or fourth round grade. Like teams were mad at us for making that move because they thought it was going to be a steal that was most people the thought that the Bills are going to get way more production from the position that he was drafted in this class. On top of that, you start to think about the player himself. Now, I don't love the fit in terms of I, he's going to him and Crowder are probably going to be splitting snaps in the slot. I don't love him, he's, and I don't project him out to be an ass. As I'm about to show you, he's not exactly the most uh, – he, he's not a Cole Beasley. He's not a – No, he no, he's not play, that type of He almost of doesn't play the role of a slot receiver. I'm going to show – we're going to talk about it. My overarching takeaway from this draft, I spent the better part of the last month reminding everybody of Bean's admission that our team was not explosive enough, consistently enough, and it's something that he in the front office was going to work on in the offseason. We all, I think, kind of took that to mean that Bean is going to add playmakers, guys who make game-breaking plays. That's all we heard, right? There's mm-hmm. explosive running backs, explosive wide receivers to be had. I think our GM has been playing chess while we play checkers again, and he just steered harder into a trend he's been finding his way with ever since this team started evolving. Chris, pull up the chart. The uh, RAS dissection of the team, if you will. Uh yeah, that one. So if you go to the uh go to the offensive depth chart tab. So when I had COVID, I sat in a room and I started breaking down the RAS scores of everybody the Bills have allowed to take considerable snaps at a certain position. And I, I I figured this would be a good resource to keep over a handful of years and watch the evolution of our team's decision making. Mm-hmm. So what you saw was a lot of very poor, you know, size grade, speed grade, size grade, speed grade. Uh, Running back, okay? Look at those speed grades. Poor, very poor, (laughs) okay, very poor, Frank Gore, poor. Frank Gore. No speed, nothing to be considered. Like, on the offensive line, there wasn't a lot of speed until the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, bring him this year's RAS scores from this draft class. I want you to take a look at this. So last year, you saw a trend where everyone got excited. They said, oh, look at these linemen that he Spencer drafted. Brown and Spencer Tommy Brown Doyle. and Tommy yeah. Doyle. They're all huge RAS score guys at offensive line. This entire class has impressive RAS scores. Well, what, our, our, our one lone offensive lineman has a score under five? He's a six-round pick. Everyone else is over eight, at least over eight, too. <laughs> Nate wrecking up the studio. Here's what I like. Look at the 10-yard splits on our first four picks. Pretty fast. Yeah. 1-5, 1-5, 1-5, 1-4 for Khalil Shakir. That's good. All of them over a 9 for their position per the RAS score guidelines. What you did as a GM was you took this class and said, listen, when I said we needed to get more explosive – 
I was going to go into this class. Look at the speed score grades. Great. Elite. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got Shakir who ran a four four three. You have uh, Kyrie Elam who ran a four three nine. You have James Cook who ran a four three six, four three seven, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and look at Shakir's shuttle shuttle score four two one. It's only a six point nine one on the rest scale, which means he's not the most shifty guy, but inside of a ten yard box, he's pretty fast. Yeah, and. If you can get a jump on a defense and you have four four speed, that's my that might be all you need. That's yeah. a, that's a that that's kind of John Brown esque, right? A little this, bit. Yeah. This team took this draft and said, "Listen, I'm just going to draft athletes. I'm just going to find explosive athletes at multiple sure. positions that we think we need to get faster at." To your point, linebacker, running back, cornerback, wide receiver. I guess, I don't know. Now that you look at this, this class, it didn't need to be a home run. No, it it couldn't have been, frankly. You'd expect, especially where they were picking. Yeah. But you didn't need as many home runs as anybody else in our division. You didn't need, based on our roster makeup, that many, you didn't need a home run. Compared to anybody else in our conference, did you? You could argue the Chiefs needed the Chiefs needed two or three of them. Chiefs needed it. The the Patriots really needed it. They didn't get it. I didn't I didn't do it that time. That's not me. That's do you, Drew. Do you call this a win for the Buffalo Bills? Is this twenty twenty two draft class? Because all these talents, they're 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 picks based not on what you can do for me today. But what will you do for me over the course of 16 weeks of football in 2022? And what cap relief can you give me going into 2023? All while being some very elite athletes for your position. The cap space thing is interesting um, to me. And it's those those three picks, James Cook, Bernard, and Shakir, um, kind of fit that mold. But... I would say overall, I feel really good about it because they came away with the starting caliber corner that I think is going to walk off the bus be your day two, day one cornerback two. Something that we've talked about for the entirety of Brandon Bean's career here with the Bills was that they skated by with not a legitimate cornerback two. We're going to get to see a full Sean McDermott defense, full Leslie Frazier defense this year without true holes at any position. That's exciting to me. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they now have ways to be more multiple. They can play more 12 personnel, but not just 12 personnel, two tight ends lining up at the line of scrimmage and ground and pound. But O.J. Howard lined up in line at the tight end position with his hand in the dirt and you know Dawson Knox dotting the eye on a trips formation that has you know Crowder or has Davis and Diggs behind him. And that is quite the matchup opportunity it's quite and that's 12 personnel that's the ugly thing everyone's scared about that sounded pretty fucking sexy didn't it right like on one side four players oj howard gets to troll the middle of the field you have dawson knox who's going to be one-on-one with press coverage with a cornerback and then you've got the two guys behind him that get to disguise what they're going to do with the line of scrimmage and they get to go over the hell they want to find the hole and then they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league to try to find him i love the multiplicity of what they've been able to do now and then you add in james cook who and a given play, right, we, we criticized, I think, 
at times we criticize Brian Dable for going empty, starting with a running back in the backfield and shifting out to empty. Well, who the hell is scared of Devin Singletary or Zach Moss lining up in the slot against your corner or your, your linebacker? It. No one's scared of that. Well, now when you motion out to empty with four wides and you got the running back in the backfield and you motion out, and now he's lined up over the over a, a linebacker. Well, guess who's not getting bracketed on that play? Stephon Diggs. Yep. Because you can't bracket a player when you have a giant mismatch at the linebackers. Or you can, and the Bills will take advantage. It's the reason James Cook was productive in college. That's right. You get him on the edge against a linebacker, unless he's your fastest player. You're unless you're Fred Warner. Unless you're Fred Warner. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to have a tough time covering a guy like that who has who has route running nuance, who has the ability to run yes. routes like a receiver, but then also be out of the backfield and be a guy that, again, I'll say the the crazy word that no one says, which is a traditional screen game. Like, who's to say that we don't see more misdirection? You got James Cook on the field. You, you pull one lineman one way. You fake the screen to him, and you dump it down to a, a tight end screen to Dawson Knox, and you've got lead blockers going the other way. I think my one of my main hopes for Ken Dorsey is he takes this offense and figures out how to develop some some resemblance of a screen game because they're the easy yards after catch is important but screens are the easiest way to get your quarterback an extra completion and an extra however many yards he's going to break off in the the process and considering the offensive line that we've built that's a possibility now. I've you said finally this, have the athleticism on the offensive line to support it. I've said this on your show a few times But the thing that has always impressed me about Josh Allen and has impressed me about Brian Dable is they run a doctorate level offense or they were for the last two years passing concepts. They they really did not have any built in layups. And that's why if you want to criticize Dable at times, Dable was very, very high level. That offense they were running and the scheme they were running and how they wanted to win at the line of scrimmage with the receivers that they have and the types of receivers they had and the ways that they wanted to win over the middle of the field and multi-route combos and crossers and everything that they wanted to do against man versus zone, everything was at a really advanced high level. They were doing things on expert on Guitar Hero. Right. Where a lot of teams, a lot of teams build in layups in their offense, especially early in the game to get their quarterback going. It's what I was begging for because they were running this complex style. Josh Allen's second year. And that's a lot for a young quarterback. But not only did he take it and learn from it, he built on it the next two years and became the quarterback that he was. So for me, like I just if if, if Ken, Ken Dorsey does one thing, if he can build in one or two layups into this offensive scheme. They should be better if they can do that. It feels like this draft has given them the kind of, I don't know, the talent he needs in order to do it. And if it doesn't work, well, Chris, they've got a fucking punter who should be able to flip the field and help our defense get back. I hope you're happy. Punt God? I hope you're happy with how excited you were about that pick. Legatron, baby. Touchdown, Jesus, punt Christ. Legatron! (laughs) Legatron! Are are we the, uh, the, uh, what, the team of, uh, what do they call that in the Bible? Uh, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Judas? What does matter is that we're out of time and we got to get the hell out of here. But this has been a lot of fun. Talking about the NFL draft, I feel good about it. You've helped me feel better. Good. Nate, That's what I'm here for. Why don't you tell everybody what they can expect from you guys over at Food for Thought mm. and where you're, what you're going to be doing up until training camp. Taking a couple weeks off. I've been filling in for Howard on the morning show for the last like month. Yeah, how's am, that going? I'm exhausted. Tomorrow's my last morning. Howard gets back on Tuesday. Taking the weekend off. I'm taking next weekend off. 
I need a little me time on the golf course. Just me, just me and my boys. You and that bum ankle. Me and my boys. Yeah, I'm gonna limp around. I I, I played. Who gets hurt falling out of a golf cart? I didn't fall out of a golf cart. I was driving. I wasn't driving. A friend was driving. He swerved, and it my my foot got caught in the cart. I'm real. I'm honestly, if I'm being honest, I'm really lucky that my my ankle, like my, my toes, weren't pointing in the opposite opposite direction. I got right. really lucky. Okay. Um, I golfed yesterday. It didn't feel great. But it's manageable, and I can deal with the pain if it means I get to go on the go- on the golf course. <laughs> so it's the only thing that gives me happiness. That's what I tell my girlfriend. I love you to death, but golf's the only thing that really makes me happy. Um, but you can find me on you can find Bruce and I. We both do our Food for Thought podcast every Friday night, starting at nine p.m. Eastern. We're live. You can of course uh, download it if you miss it live and you miss the video live. We're on YouTube um, or wherever you find your podcast. If you just type in Buffalo Rumblings and you scroll down, you can find uh, Food for Thought there. Um, and then, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of taking a little hiatus away from the radio i need a little break um but you can follow me at nick Erie sports i got my twitter back i got hacked but i'm back <laughs> i'm back i got hacked i got hacked on friday night of the draft the absolute i never realized how badly i needed twitter then during the draft i felt completely in the dark i was like loading cbssports.com in real time like while i'm driving to the station trying to catch up on who's being oh man it was that was a nightmare don't uh, just for you folks out there listening, um, if a verified account asks you to uh, change your password and then also give them the verification for that password, don't do it. <laughs> I got got. I got got. That might be one of the funniest things I've heard all day. It was verified. And on that I no- checked it. I, and I looked that- the guy up. He was a real guy. So pissed. <laughs> I was like, this guy's like, what? It's like, if, you, if you're not careful, you might get your blue check mark taken away. Just click on this link and give me a bunch of your personal information. I'm like, all right, yeah, this checks out. This seems right. And you're so defensive with that this check right. mark. This seems oh, right. That's... Anything to save the check mark, buddy. Fucking hilarious. Chris, yeah. that's a solid note to end on. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Nick Geary. And this has been your Rock Ball Report. <laughs>